Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of uh, My Week in Cars, the weekly autocar podcast from me, Matt Pryor, and him, Steve Cropley. Hello, Steve. Hello, Matthew. How are you? Yeah, really good, mate. So, six weeks in, we've been in the same place, two of those? Yep. And today you find us in uh, the back of a Nissan Qashqai on a hillside in Wales, where unusually for October the sun is streaming through the windows, and it's very pretty, actually. It's nice, isn't it? Oh, it's wonderful, yeah. The yeah. clouds are great. Yeah. The car's nice. We're going to be talking about our respective columns, which means uh, this week we'll be talking car gatherings, racing drivers as novelists, 20 grand batteries, Polestar's premium and more besides, including your correspondence. Um, the first of which comes from Jason Welch, who says, you know, the other week, Steve, we were talking about uh, the festival of the unexceptional. Oh, indeed. Yeah, and you're thinking about getting a car for it. He says, how about Chrysler slash Torbett Sunbeam or a Morris Ital? Well... They're good. I think that Sunbeam is has become so rare that it's a classic rather than an unexceptional Ooh, car. Okay. Yeah. My favourite at the moment is the Suzuki X90. Oh, Remember that? yeah. Remember that terrible bubble-shaped <laughs> thing? <laughs> yeah, you but, can't uh, tell which way it's going. Yeah. yeah, and they're around two and a half grand. Okay. And it is definitely unexceptional, I think. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, nobody keeps them for any other reason than to for things like that, so... I was thinking about this yesterday because I was sort of trying to plan for this this podcast, and I was thinking if you, if you did have a car for that festival, do you want it to do something else too, or is it an unexceptional, could be classic car? Is that is that basically the idea of it, or is it? I mean, could would you use the X ninety for no something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think you would just you would just savor the day, which is. Mm. I mean, it is mad to have a car for one day, but I already have, I already have a motorcycle for one day. You know, yeah. an old veteran motorbike that goes just does a one event. But, mm. but uh, I mean, it's a bit of a balmy idea, but uh, balmy ideas are what we yeah, thrive right. on, aren't they? Yeah, totally. Well, and it's a hobby, mate. We all need hobbies. And hobby. That's fine. Yep. And also, I think, and I've said this before, I think 
for all of its modesty and unexceptionalness, the, it strikes me as that it's the most important car, classic car show in the world, because there'll always be a million Ferrari 250 GTOs. There'll be more than they were ever made in the first place, but there will not always be Suzuki X90s, and yeah. Nis Nissan Bluebirds and Ford Mondeos. And, I am know. in this sad state where I, if I'm walking along the street and there's an e-type on this side of the street and a Hillman Minx on the other side, I tend to go and have a look at the Hillman Minx. Yeah. I know it's madness, but that's where, that, yeah. that's where I am. Well, that brings us rather neatly, actually, to the first point of your column, because last weekend was Bister uh, Heritage's last scramble event of the year there are there's a couple of sort of smallish scrambler clubby type things going on i think but the but until january that's it for the scrambles yeah one but, a month i think they they have a themed thing for small don't they one a month but but the big ones the 5000 attendees and you know curated cars and all the rest of it i think they're over i'm surprised that they're doing one in january i'm glad to see it i must say because hmm. we'll look forward to it and you, you know the steering committee likes it as much as i do so yeah. They're great fun, aren't they? You've made this point. It's the diversity of stuff you see. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm not sure you see it anywhere else. No, no. The, and, and the both diversity in, of mark, but also diversity of price. You know, people mm. celebrate cars that aren't very expensive. And I I think that just gives everybody hope, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. And following on from your Sunday, you were then over at the British Motor Museum who do maybe... L is it a lesser-known thing that they do, do you think, this event? that they, They've just that started they this year. There's a, there's a thing called the Gaiden Gathering, which is um, where you just show up in whatever you have. Um, hopefully a classic car, after work, stay till about 8.30 or when, the, when you want to leave or when the um, sun goes down and then you go home. And they, <clears throat> they normally pull something interesting out of the collection and run it and... The time before last, it was a Rover jet car, which was a hell of a thing oh, to, wow. to hear run. Yeah. And on the most recent occasion, it was an Austin 7 Brooklyn's Racer, which is Super. also a fabulous little car, supercharged yeah. 750. Yeah. Sounded awesome. And, of course, the Castrol R hanging in the air. Was oh, yeah. Lovely. And is it, uh, you You make the point, I, the car culture as a, I don't know if that's the, the right phrase, but the, there are a lot of us who like cars, aren't they? Yeah. If, I mean, I think if I go for a walk around, you know, my nearest town or whatever, as you, as you, in the summer, as you walk past gardens and things like that, you'll see something nosing out in the garage. I think there's, I think there's more of us than we realise. Oh, mate, it, I'll tell you what, this is, well, even people who live in Europe will tell you this. I'm an immigrant, came from Australia 40 years ago, whenever it was. And I can remember writing back to my mother to tell her that there was, this was a, a country full of enthusiasts. And somewhere in my street, there would be a there'll be a person making a, a model of the Ark Royal out of matchsticks. <laughs> yeah. And I think it goes for cars particularly. Mm. As, as you say, sunny day, out comes the MGB or out comes the, I don't know, Hillman Minx, whatever. Yeah. Is there a similar in bunch of... Is there not a similar enthusiasm in Australia? I always get the vibe that it's quite a car-centric oh, there is centric yeah. sort of place. But it was... the the. The cars that were available were to to you know <clears throat> affordably available were, were were more restricted. Tend to be Japanese cars, some of them uninteresting. Mm. Big V8 culture that yeah. I was brought up with. We took it for granted that things had to have a five liter V8 and five point seven and or bigger would yeah. be good, you know. Yeah. So uh, and that still obtains for sure. But those cars have climbed in value now. Mm. 
Actually, we have got we have got a letter which I don't have in front of me, but yes, from a, a bloke who lives in Australia, reader who lives in Australia, and he says uh, per capita, Australia buys more BMW M, AMG, Mercedes, possibly Audi RS models than anywhere else. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure he's right. The, mm. I was interested to see in the same letter because I I saw it as well, but I don't have it in front of me either. <laughs> but he, I think he was saying their market's about a million a year, and given that ours is only. 1.7, 1. 1.8, 1. something yeah. like that. That's a, that's a lot of cars to it me. It is a lot of turnover, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. what is Australia? 30 million yeah. population? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that is a lot, isn't it? That is it quite sure a lot is, of cars. Yeah, yeah uh, funny enough, it was the Bathurst 1,000 kilometres last weekend just gone, which, um, so I went to, I, I saw the start of it uh, on because on, it runs basically from midnight until 6am in the UK, which is a bit much for me. So I started watching it on catch-up before I went to Bista Heritage on... Uh, on Sunday and then I caught the rest afterwards it was a good race but it's yeah it's five litre V8s with 650 horsepower locked rear differentials and the Gen 3 uh, supercar is coming out next year which is um, I don't know how much of it shares with a NASCAR chassis but it's basically this big space frame steel chassis on which you put a body which is going to be a Chevrolet Camaro or Ford Mustang. Oh, I see. They've lost a load of downforce. They've got 60% less downforce for next year's cars so that it will be easier to follow. I mean, the, the racing's close and overtaking's easy enough for, as far as I can tell anyway. But it's basically <laughs> going to be more exciting. They've got a little bit less power, but they will make the same speed down the main straights because they've got less aerodynamics. The thing is, it's a hell of a circuit. There are all these, there are all these long bends with... That sort of rise and fall through the bend. So, yeah. you, you know, the one thing you could do with is downforce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Six, it is, yeah, really interesting, I think. And they're going to take 60% away. The cool thing about it, it, I mean, the shame is that Holden has gone, so it's not not Ford Holden, but it is Ford Chevrolet. And if another manufacturer wants to come in, basically the, the, the hard work is done. You know, you could they, they could just say, yeah, we want in on it. And they'll get a body which supercars will then tweak the aerodynamics so it's level with the rest of the field and quite a nice and it's a sort of profile formula is it they're they're gonna kind of so it'll look like a chevrolet yeah they look really good yeah they look really good because they when they stopped making the ford falcon and changed the supercars to the mustang it looked weird fitting over the fitting over the chassis that had been made the window line was too high but it's great now they look terrific i slightly lost control of bathurst i went there um Funnily enough, with a bunch of guys from Nissan, they had a go at it for a while. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and uh, did okay, mm. but, uh, but uh, I mean, the, the joy of it, the spectacle of it, the, you know, the, the moment in the, year, in the Aussie year is mm. really not to be put aside. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I did a little preview of it for the MAG uh, last week, and I, and I just looked up some, some stats, and it seems that all of the campsites are open by Tuesday before <laughs> the race. So it's just, and the first one opens the entire week before. And I know... I don't know, a lot of the British go to Le Mans and make a, a, a long week of it and stuff, but I'm not sure anybody goes out the Saturday before it's on. No, no, wasn't there some story about how the Aussies, for a while, they it became a bit of a booze fest up on the top of the mountain, mm. and uh, so the, at, at one stage the organisers prevented you from bringing excessive amounts of booze in, so people would arrive early, bury the booze, and dig, <laughs> dig it, it up, up when they got there. I've, I have, Somebody did say last week, that they do, there is still a limit on how much you can bring in. Oh, I see. But it's like a box a day or so, a case a day or something, which seems, yeah. Yeah, seems pretty generous to me. But yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, phase two of your column from this week. Uh, Mike Hawthorne wrote a novel. Who knew that? 
Well, I didn't. I must say, I was just uh, at Bisto, in fact. I was nosing around with the missus, and we saw this this book called Carlotti Joins the Team. And I th- and it said Mike Hawthorne, and I mm. thought, good God, not the Mike Hawthorne. Turns out to be a kind of brand extension, I think. Somebody who listens to this is going to know much more about it than me, but apparently there were two novels written one after the other, stopped abruptly in 1959 when he died. Mm. Um, but I looked inside and the copyright is down to Winifred Mary Hawthorne, who was Mike Hawthorne's mum. Oh. And when you read the the copy, it does read rather a lot like somebody's mum. <laughs> <laughs> do you a, think she wrote it? I do, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's possible that he wrote it but and she looked after it, but I, <clears throat> given that her name's on the copyright, I imagine she did it. Mm. But I, I'd love to know more. I tried to do a bit of research before I wrote this, but it just seems amazing piece of brand extension that, <clears throat> you know, you can't imagine Lewis Hamilton writing a novel, can you? No, it's 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 weird, that isn't it? I, uh, who uh, writing a novel is such a I, mean, I don't know. It's a bit of a niche thing to do, anyway, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people think, yes, I have a book in me. Yeah. How many of them actually ever get round to putting it onto paper? This and was a kids' book as well. It was. I I do love the concept of it because it, the idea was to give these sort of young aspirants hope. Mm. I've got this fantastic book at home. A bit of an aside, this one, but it's by a bloke called Laurie Bagley, and it's who was an aviation expert and it's a book that treats the reader like a person who's about to learn to fly an aeroplane and he walks out to this de Havilland vampire gets in puts on the straps gets the controls explained to him flies down to the Suez control the Suez canal does a lap over it and flies home Mm. and there's all this explanation about how to fly a vampire that's the book and Laurie Bagley was a brilliant illustrator as well so the all these lovely illustrations. And I, I've always had time for that inspire the kids type of book. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if that... Translates know, to know. website, you know, sort of a web-based sort of thing now, world. doesn't it? Yeah, but, I wonder if it... Yeah, I wonder if that does translate to today. I don't know. But I, I do, I've often thought that it would still... You could still imagine doing some sort of a, an explanation, go to, uh, you know, get in, a, get in a Formula One car, reach out, grab this, switch on that, you know, you'd have to simplify it. Yeah, but it would be interesting to know, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I, th- I can't remember. It might be Mel Nichols, former uh, autocar staffer and editorial director, who, said, who was talking about describing a racing car, what it's like to climb into a racing car. You just want to know how heavy the pedals are and yeah. how heavy the steering is. And, yeah. what, and it would be interesting to know what it is like to drive an F1 I car. I did do it? a story of Martin Brundle one time when we discussed all this stuff, the smells and the feelings and all that, and I can re- the only thing I can really remember, two things. I remember him talking about how when you're braking at maximum effort from a high speed, the tears from the, your tear ducts get thrown forward onto the visor. <laughs> that is the extent of the... And the other thing is he said that when somebody wants to strap you in the car, your instruction to them is pull down on the straps to the threshold of pain and then give it one more. Oh, wow. And that is the only way you'll stay secure in the car. Crikey. Bit of a... He's, an opener, he's a very good talker, Martin. Yeah, yeah. But it'd be, it would be really fascinating to know, wouldn't it? To get, to get the Hamilton perspective on, you know, this is how I get it off the line. This is, you know, this whether you can feel a clutch biting point or not. How, yeah, how heavy the brake is, how heavy the yeah. steering is. I don't know how heavy the steering is. They're on too far car. in the rarefied atmosphere, these mm. fellas. <laughs> but the thing about Martin was that he was able to relate that 
those feelings to a to a car that I would have understood. Mm. And that's what we need. It'd be yeah. Great to see it done. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah, it really would. Job for you, yeah. Matthew. Well, that'd be great. I, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I haven't interviewed many F1 drivers. Well, yeah, get it going. So an F1 it'd be car good. would be great. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I get the I, I get the impression driving an F1 car is for somebody who does not do it all the time is basically heat management. And if the heat goes out of it, you're that's it. Get you game over. It's stuffed. You know, if you don't keep the heat in the brakes and the tires, and well, presumably the engine requires a certain amount of oomph as right. well. You fall off the sort of becomes uncontrollable, edge of it, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. You're not yeah. you fall out. And of isn't that it? Zone. There's an airflow issue too, isn't there? Unless you, yeah, it must unless be. you're going fast enough to to keep it on the floor. Yeah, it yeah. becomes difficult as well, which is yeah. why they have some trouble with low speed corners. Yeah, which so it would be, yeah, it would be fascinating how far out of the the normal bloke's zone. Yeah, they are. Yeah, but yeah, interesting. So Mike Bennett has written. And uh, he says, if you could have... He's, he's written some very nice things. Thanks, Mike, for your, for your note. You can write to us too at autocar at haymarket.com and we'll send you a mug. I think they're still getting made up. I haven't seen one yet. But I haven't no, I haven't office. seen one. No, this but... is t- turning out to be a bit of an empty promise. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I want one to, as well, don't Somebody you? will write to it. I wouldn't mind one, yeah. Somebody will write to us and say, I definitely had an email read out, send me a mug. But basically, if you write to us, if you get it read out, we'll send you a mug. But you'll have to remind us because we haven't seen the mugs yet. But at some point, they will turn up. Uh, anyway, this is um, Mike. Thanks for your thanks for your note. The problem with it is that it, I suspect it's going to cause millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. No end of discussion. He says, if you could have a five-car garage, any car, any price, all expenses paid, but... And this is a brilliant road trip question. I've had this this discussion with a lot of friends and, and, and co-workers. You can only only have those five cars for the rest of your life. What would they be and why? Now, this is not something that you and I can discuss and, and settle on right now, Steve, because my answer this morning would be different to my answer this afternoon. The Sabo, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But anyway, for <laughs> Mike's, Mike's five are... McLaren F1, because it's the greatest feat of engineering. Uh, Land Rover Series 1. Uh, Mark 7 Volkswagen Golf GTI. Uh, a Morgan Plus 8. And the last one is always tricky. Something for every day. So he says RR, which I presume he means Range Rover rather than Rolls-Royce. But, you know, either or, as you prefer, Mike. Um, I've got a couple that always migrate into my top five. And that's usually a Ferrari F40, a Ferrari 2. 50 short wheelbase and then I get like Aerial Nomad Atom V8 I get a, I get a the long, Aerial I get Nomad a really, really really um, 
serious effect on you. I never yeah, forget your really copy on that. I, I just, I kind of remember your just getting enthused by what you wrote. Yeah. It was brilliant. I've just been, I've been tempted to buy one on several Have occasions. You? Yeah, and then I think, oh, can I really afford it? Will I really use it that often? Because it's a bit of a high days and holidays yeah. car, really, and I've got a <coughs> motorbike, so it, it does it do the same thing as my motorbike? Yeah, but actually, is a bit less usable. But just the way that you sit in it and see the wheels move, and know that you're not moving. And it's got that a generous amount of wheel travel. Just blew me away completely. Yeah, but I this, can see why. Is there anything on your... Actually, that funnily would, enough... That would always be on your five-car list. Uh, I'm like you. I'll change this afternoon. But the ones... I'm actually pretty pleased. I, I love really um, serviceable and useful cars. And I'm very happy with the Duster, believe it or not, mm. which I just bought. I would be with Mike on... Uh, who incidentally is a is rather far up the pole in the um, in in the motor industry, mm. I believe. Um, I would be with him on the Series One Landy. I've just been interviewing a bloke who's got. He must be fifty. He's got he's got the Land Rover that he bought as a kid at fourteen. Oh, fantastic! Still, that's fantastic. Um, I would like a Series One. I must say, the car that niggles at me, even though I don't think it's the, it, it would have to be a risk. Because I disappoint me, but I've never owned an E-Type, and I always thought I should have done. Really, I've had the other stuff in Lands and Caterhams, and I had an Atom for a while, and all that. But, but an E-Type, I just mm. like to look over the bonnet. Yeah, they are special, aren't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Would you have a, a coupe, early coupe, or? Yeah, I would. I would have. I wouldn't. I would have the, you know, two-seater. I wouldn't have the the two plus two with the funny windscreen angle and all mm. that. So I, yeah, I think it would probably be series one and a half or, you know, six cylinder one. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you uh, want to let us know your top five, you can do. You can find us on all the social media channels. We're on Autocar uh, at Twitter. I think it's just Autocar. It's Autocar underscore official on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Matty underscore prior. And if you search Steve Cropley, I think it's STVCR. Yeah, that's it, is, uh, yeah. On Twitter. So you can find us there. Uh, yes, or indeed write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. Uh, shall we chat my column briefly? Yes, indeed. Which, it starts this week because, as we speak, last night the Polestar 3 was revealed, which is the third Polestar, as the name suggests. It's a big SUV, and what struck me is when I was reading the, the copy about it is that the prices start basically at 80,000 quid. And this is the first Polestar that's designed with sort of Polestar's own design language rather than ones that's come from Volvo, which is which is cool, but... It, but 80 grand plus for a big SUV. I checked the price of an XC90, which is Volvo's SUV of similar size. Now they're not; it's not a pure EV, and the Polestar is. But basically, that starts at 60. So Polestar is asking another 20 grand on top of Volvo. It's it's kind of into sort of Porsche, put KN territory, and I think there's going to be a a, a slightly smaller, more coupe-ish SUV comes, which is kind of Macan rivaling, as I understand it. Anyway. It strikes me that it's. I'm constantly surprised, in a way I shouldn't be, for a bloke who reads about cars every day, at how expensive they are. Yeah. And well, I think, well, actually, when borrowing money is cheap, that's okay. That was all right. Yeah. That was all right. And when there were, you know, grants for for plug-in vehicles and 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 as yet there's no fuel duty on plug-in vehicles, and when the cost of living is not, you know, is not. Roof, slightly, yeah. yeah, slightly yeah. concerning. This is all fine, but actually, do you? Who, how many people are going to really say yes to finance on really expensive stuff 
when there are things in doubt. And is it all right to just decide you're a premium manufacturer? Yeah. And ask a lot of money for a for a car on the basis of some you know some presumably some very lovely interior materials. Yeah. That, which sets which sets you apart. That <clears throat> that's a real curly question. That uh, that business of what gets you into the premium bracket, isn't it? I. I've always, uh, I've never sort of really understood it, except for the the heritage thing. You know, the a Jaguar stands <clears throat> starts well ahead of scratch because it did the E-type in 1963, mm. 1961. Sorry, but um, I I do I do wonder what makes premium. But but having said which, you look at Polestar and they are on the way to, I think, establishing a premium mark, and they're they're doing it on design, that cleanliness of design, and also I think on the personal magnetism of Tom, Tom, Thomas Ingenlath, the mm. boss, who who has got a very separate and special persona and <clears throat> speaks well about the mark. And there is a consistency f- to me w- um, across the range, as small range as it is, which which aligns with him and what he says. So I, I think they are on the way to building something special. But as I was saying to you before, the I do think that premiumness is geared to to encouraging people to want to be in your gang so mm. and i quite want to be in thomas ingenlath's gang mm. i don't know why but i do and it's funny people do have an affinity for things they have spent money on oh very much so yeah yeah, yeah. i mean we have this conversation in publishing about how much we charge for things and how much we give away stuff and actually when i think about you know the brands that i like and the and the, the things that i value and the things i feel an affinity towards by and large, at some point, I've spent money on it. Yeah, and that's uh, it's interesting, that isn't it? I, it's yeah. So maybe, yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a if you have a Polestar and you're a particular fan, let us know. Or any other premium thing. What makes you decide that you're going to buy something premium over something that isn't? You can write to us. Um, com. Yesterday, I drove a Suzuki S Cross, and the price for the full hybrid starts at twenty five grand. Wow. And I suddenly thought, well, I mean, that sounds cheap again and that's you know which i used to think everything was 25 grand but i i, I don't know how i've well given that it's a it, it'll be a well-engineered car and you, suzuki's are modern aren't they in that they mm. they've they've got this mystical way of making things lighter than everyone else oh but yeah this is uh this is a full hybrid it doesn't go very far on it's it's not pluggable and it doesn't go very far electric only but it weighs 1380 I think and it's 4.3 meter long crossover yeah with an auto with a well automated manual gearbox but they um that's a 250 behind other cars of the of the same yeah. size isn't it yeah, I think so yeah I think so but they were saying yesterday they make three percent operating profit so they make a billion 1.2 billion pound profit last year they've got a 50 percent plus market share in India uh, which is their biggest market by far they sell I know, on a good year, 40,000 cars in the UK, but that's 20,000 at the minute because of semiconductor shortages. But 3% is not a premium Is not a premium profit margin. No. What, what, in what boardrooms are people deciding, we've decided we're going to take double-digit profits just yeah. because we're premium? Yeah. Yeah, that, it, it, it is mystical, isn't it? Because yeah. you, you need to be able to justify a high price in order to take a large percentage of it as profit. Yeah. It's a weird one. It is a weird one. Yeah, I'll get I'll get there one day. Um, anyway, second part of my column, uh, the Cadillac Lyric has been launched. It's <laughs> I an, love this. It's an electric SUV. 
It's an electric SUV, and it's the second SUV, in my uh, sorry, the second car, in, in my understanding, where the glove box is not operated by a switch. So good. Yeah. It is operated by a button in the sub-menu. Not just the menu, the not just menu. Yeah, not just the menu, because if you get a Tesla Model 3, I think it says open a glove box open, and it has a button on the So that's screen. on the first level. But it's Yeah, and it's kind of there pretty much. My understanding is kind of there pretty much all the time. However, in the Cadillac, I, I will, I've got the, the manual. It's a 424-page manual, and <laughs> if you go all the way through to page, uh, where is it? 94, page 94, it? something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, here we go. something, yeah. yeah. And I'll quote it verbatim. Glove box is the heading. To open the glove box, the vehicle must be stationary. Go to the infotainment home screen, tap virtual controls, comma, glove box, release. To close, push the glove box <laughs> until it latches. But if you're driving along and your passenger wants to open the glove box, Tough. he or she can't. Yeah. Oh, that's, useless. That's, that's hopeless, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> I, I can, to, I've, to give them some benefit of the doubt, I've, I can if you have the conversation, if you're sitting in a, a, a room with a bunch of engineers and somebody says, well, our glove box is dangerous if you crash with them open. Somebody goes, well, they might be, you know. Actually, this could be, this could create knee problems. The airbag might not go off properly. Well, that's true. Well, what if we want the glove box to lock automatically when it's when the car's shut off? Well, if you put the control on the touchscreen, then when you shut the car off, the glove box is locked and secure. And blah, blah. You can see how they get to this phase. Yeah. But at what point does somebody not say... Yeah, but come on, it's just stupid. Let's just, just have, have a touch button. button. It's just a yeah. button. It's just a button or a Well, or a your latch. point is, the point you made just when we were discussing this a little bit earlier was you could in any case have a <clears throat> a button which was immobilised in the, you know, at the points when you wanted it to be, but just hmm. was accessible at sensible times. Yeah, yeah. So the first Jaguar XF had a little touch-sensitive button. That's right, and nice. It was, and it was looked good. I don't yeah. know how well it's... I always thought at the time, I thought, crikey, that doesn't look quite as reliable as a, just a catch a mechanical catch will yeah. be but I don't know how they've how they've how they've got on but anyway yeah please let's not make that a trend because it just oh god I just can't I just it's too much for me um, <laughs> especially the second level that's amazing oh yeah exactly if it's, <laughs> if it's on a screen you know it, that's one thing but if it's on a, another level again that's just where it's ridiculous crazy yeah um, which brings us back to your column actually in a Range Rover Sport Hybrid bought by somebody you know well, a, a, a reader wrote to me on behalf of a friend saying that he, this friend had bought his dream car as seven or eight-year-old Range Rover hybrid, Range Rover Sport hybrid. Very soon the car had broken down. He'd taken it to the official local Jag dealer. They had said, sorry, mate, it needs a new battery, new traction battery, so the, the bit that propels the car. Um, by the time we fit it, it will cost you 21500 quid. Um, and he was pretty sh shaken because, yeah. you know, he bought a seven-year-old, eight-year-old Range Rover. He's obviously not Range Rover, you know, in the upper bracket of Range Rovers. And to, to compound things, I've since heard that these people, that you know, he can't pay that money. Mm. So they have charged him 800 quid for the diagnosis mm. and sent his car back to him on a trailer. And that seems to me to be a really bad business. But I thought this might be some sort of misconception. So I have a mate who's a very good mechanic indeed, you know, mm. does does whatever you want to a car. And I asked him about it and it sounded doubtful to him. He thought, you know, just buy the battery, put it in the car. But he went to see friends he knows at the, in, you know, in a, in a Jaguar um, official dealership. And they said, yep, 17,000 quid um, XVAT to 
to to fix this car except you can't because the parts are not available and there's a bit of a queue and it just seems to me that the guys who engineered or the company that engineered that car and put at least more than one people in such a position needs to have a solution for it and at the moment there's a little bit of an argument going on with us and JLR they feel that it's rather unfair to raise this issue mm. I feel that what they should be concentrating on is the truth of this claim discovering whether there really is a queue of these people and finding a fix that is both affordable and fast yeah that's where we rest yeah and uh, I think this will develop mm. but it it can't, it can't be good you know I I can't believe anybody that would want to engineer a car that they knew was going to be fatally um, immobilised inside a decade. No, no, it's just so it won't it, without that bat without that battery. It won't the go. It is it? Won't, it will not go. In no, the apparently it. not. Yeah, that's just not so good, is it? No, and it, I mean, I and you. Ex when an engine failure is expensive, but twenty-one grand for that was just. It's the value well, usually, of the car, if, isn't it? I mean, if the engine blows, you you have some chance of finding a sort of wrecked one with a. Yeah. You know, it might cost you five grand to put an engine in it or something, but and it, but it it rather than rather than sort of trying to shoot the messenger, I do think mm. that people from JLR need to be investigating the actual problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. It feels like that's a fairly urgent thing to look into. Yeah, yeah. Well, that pretty much brings us to time for this week thank you steve for joining me oh it's uh, good fun it's a, great to do it with a view isn't it's it it's good isn't it yeah where are we going to go next week oh god <laughs> i'm in wales but i'm in wales for three days next week oh are you yeah 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 we've got our britain's best driver's car uh shootout the big one the big britain's best. Are, you, uh, are you coming up don't know i haven't th um if this is invitation mate I'm yeah we'll come up. yeah come along yeah so that's yeah so we've got that next week um at that actually we're going to record because we did the uh, EV handling test the other week so uh, I'm going to record a podcast with James Disdale who's organised the test and Ilya and Matt from the road test test so that will be out, we have other podcasts too so there's a bunch of BMW M uh, podcasts for the 50th anniversary um, in fact I think one has just gone up where we interviewed the boss of Munich Legends, Dan who's a great bloke, really interesting bloke so that's online in your favourite podcast places Autocar is everywhere. We're at autocar.co.uk. We have an 800,000 subscriber YouTube channel. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com, and there will be mugs. You can find us on digital subscription, magazine subscription, in print and on shelves every week since 1895. So until next week, cheerio. Cheerio. Cheerio.